engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Red flags, red flags. We got to talk about them. It's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB, the phone number 404 870 1-800-WSB Talk. There is rumor afoot that Lindsey Graham will call the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, to come back and begin working on gun legislation. The House Judiciary Committee uh, rumored to possibly also be coming back to work on gun legislation. Everybody talking about red flag laws. The the House Democrats want to pass aggressive gun legislation, including an assault weapons ban. They may do that to message against Republicans. We'll get into the Georgia implications of this, but one of the things you need to know is that Georgia's Senator David Perdue is uh, treating red flag laws skeptically. Now, we should review again red flag laws and uh, what they are, how they work. They vary from state to state. Some of them, there's questionable constitutionality. You have to remember that red flag laws became a thing before the Heller decision. Now, I don't mean to dazzle youth legalese, but the Heller decision is the Supreme Court case written by Antonin Scalia before he died, wherein the Supreme Court ruled in a 5-4 decision that the Second Amendment is an individual right. Uh, The right to keep and bear arms is an individual right. Uh, The liberals on the court strongly dissented. Justice Stevens, who recently died, said that was one of the worst cases to ever come out of the Supreme Court. Didn't like it at all. He wrote a, a dissent. It was an impassioned dissent against Scalia, and ever since uh, until Stevens' passing two weeks ago, uh, was continually on uh, outraged about the Heller decision. But the Heller decision is Supreme Court precedent. It makes the individual right to keep and bear arms an individual right. Uh, red flag laws came into being prior to the Heller decision, and what red flag laws are, Connecticut was the first state to pass one. It essentially says if there's a red flag about someone, uh, a certain class of people can go to court and in going to court, uh, get a restraining order demanding that people either stay away from their guns or more likely and in almost every case now requires them to hand over their guns to authorities for a certain period of time. Now. What's the hang-up with red flag laws? Well, who can do it and on what grounds can they do it? Uh, Those are the concerns with red flag laws. And in some cases, again, this is a – the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, is a constitutional right. It is unheard of for a constitutional right to be suspended without a due process hearing. In fact, I dare say it is unconstitutional to take away someone's constitutional right without a due process hearing. For example, you cannot take away, let's say uh, you decide that someone is mentally incompetent. You cannot get a judge to issue a restraining order prohibiting that person from voting because their vote is a constitutional right. You have to have a due process hearing. The person has to be subpoenaed and ordered to court. And there has to be a, a psychiatrist. There's got to be some vetting. There's got to be a, a outside counsel to represent the person, a guardian ad litem, what have you, before a judge will say this person is mentally unfit to vote. We must take their right to vote away. 
Well, the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. The Supreme Court has ruled that it is a constitutional right for an individual to keep and bear arms. If that is the case, then some states uh, may have unconstitutional red flag laws because they allow guns to be confiscated without bringing that person in for a due process hearing. That has to be vetted. Well, David Perdue is raising red flags, so to speak, about red flag laws on that issue. If it's an individual right under the Constitution, and it is, whether you like it or not, in in the same way that conservatives uh, complain about abortion being a, a right under the Constitution, according to Roe v. Wade, liberals say the same thing about the Second Amendment. The difference is the gun rights have a Second Amendment to the Constitution. Uh, abortion rights were read into the Constitution via a privacy right that itself is not in the Constitution. There are weaker grounds for the abortion right than the uh, private uh, individual right of gun ownership. It's in the Constitution, though. And you can certainly place restrictions on certain rights, just as courts have allowed people to place restrictions on abortion. There are restrictions that can be placed on the Second Amendment, but it's still a right. And if someone is lawfully allowed to own a gun and does own a gun, are you then constitutionally allowed to confiscate that gun without a due process hearing? And my guess is that the Supreme Court won't go along with it. Well, I mean, it depends on five. You may have John Roberts side with the, the left on this, but uh, if it is a constitutional right— you got to have a due process hearing to revoke that right. And David Perdue's concern with some of the legislation circulating in Congress right now is that you would immediately be able to confiscate someone's guns and then have them come in for due process hearing. There are other issues with the red flag laws. The NRA is raising some concerns with those as well. So there are other concerns with red flag laws as well. Uh, Who gets to go to court? to seek the injunction to confiscate guns. Who gets to uh, do these things? Um, Can it be just individual immediate relatives? Can it be the police? Does it need to be teachers? Uh, Who? Uh, Something that the police are going to have to, or the the politicians are going to have to look at. And, And then, you know, we've seen people on Twitter, for example, Uh, particularly progressives in the last 72 hours, highlighting comments from conservatives they don't like and saying, hmm, we may need to get a red flag on this person. And I can't tell whether they're mocking the utility of red flag laws or they're serious and they want to weaponize red flag laws. Listen, uh, we have Democrats out there right now weaponizing uh, campaign contribution disclosure reports to target harassment towards Trump donors. If you have a federal red flag law, it's pretty obvious and a no-brainer to me that they're going to begin targeting Trump donors and, and Trump supporters. You have a Trump supporter. Some progressive is going to be targeting uh, you, and they're going to look at your social media feed, and they're going to say, oh, this Trump supporter, he's, he's saying something we don't like. We better call the police in his local community and, and see if we can get a red flag law injunction. So who gets to do it and on what grounds? Uh, is it based on social media? Can you do it based on tweets? Can you do it based on Facebook posts? Does it have to be something more? Does it have to be with the family? What about the families where you have uh, anger? I mean, listen, there are, there are new reports every day. I was reading a story this morning about a girl who refuses to allow her, her children to interact with her parents. Think about this. The woman refuses to allow her children to interact with her parents because the parents... Watch Fox News. 
Now, listen, I think Fox News is poisoning the brains of people across this country. And I say that as, as someone who only just recently spent five years as an employee. I mean, you got Trish Reagan on Fox Business now coming out attacking my friend Dana Lash for being opposed to red flag laws. Uh, this is a Fox News anchor who is accusing my friend Dana Lash of supporting, uh, of opposing red flag laws only because she's getting money to oppose them, as opposed to Dana Lash uh, has, has strongly had a Second Amendment record in this country and is a, an aggressive advocate of the Second Amendment. It, it's just staggering to me that progressives attack Fox News anchors for saying stuff because they get paychecks, and here comes a Fox News anchor attacking my friend, uh, for her views on the Second Amendment, claiming she only believes this because she's getting money. Staggering. I, I think Fox rots people's brains sometimes. I, I do. Um, I, I wish, you know, I saw someone on social media at some point recently said that uh, Fox News and MSNBC and CNN are doing to our per- parents' brains what our parents said video games would do to our brains. Yeah, I think that's true. We could all stand to get outside more and know our next-door neighbor. Nonetheless, Uh, So Purdue is raising concerns about red flag laws, and uh, you've got the NRA now telling the president, go cautious on this. They're not opposed in principle to red flag laws. Now, listen here, because this is what the media is going to do. What the media is going to do is the media is going to say that the NRA is throwing up every possible objection to red flag laws so they can say they support it without actually supporting them. That's not actually what's going on here. What's actually going on is that the NRA will support a red flag law, but it's got to have due process because this is a constitutional right. No constitutional right can be taken away from you without a due process hearing. So, for example, if the police were to come in the way the NRA would like this to operate, if the police come in and say this person is a danger to himself or others and needs his guns confiscated, they would not be able to confiscate that person's guns without going to that person and saying, you need to come to court and talk about this. Now, I don't have a problem if the police are legitimately serious about this. Keep the person under surveillance so they can't go shoot something up. I mean, you'd be able to see them loading their their massive guns, their long barrel guns or, or their gun bags into cars. Keep an eye on the person. I'm okay with that. But don't force their guns to, to be taken away unless you have a due process hearing. I think we can find some reasonable ground here. The NRA supports red flag laws as long as they're done properly. I think David Perdue makes a very good point that these can be subject to abuse. You, you get a progressive prosecutor out there, and you can see conservatives have their guns taken away because they voice support for President Trump online. I mean, for Pete's sakes, look at Twitter. Twitter has banned the social media account of Mitch McConnell's campaign. They've shut down Mitch McConnell's Twitter presence. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader. Do you have any idea why they shut down Mitch McConnell's campaign account? It's because McConnell highlighted a progressive activist who showed up at his house demanding that people stab McConnell to death. So McConnell put up a video showing a progressive activist outside McConnell's house, demanding McConnell be murdered violently, and Twitter is punishing Mitch McConnell for exposing the progressive activist. That's, this is, I mean, you can see progressives weaponizing this stuff. Um, It's just, it's, it's crazy to me that this is happening, and you can see why conservatives are a little skeptical of giving the government more power when progressives will weaponize that power. Just want to do a quick timeout for thanking Quip for being a longtime sponsor of this program. A lot of you, you got kids like me headed back to school and, well... 
Maybe they're hygienic. Honest to goodness, I'm not sure how often our kid bathed during the summer. Our, our oldest now is just about every day, but the 10-year-old, ah, well, time to get them back into a good routine, and Quip is a great way to do it. If they're having difficulties getting well their teeth brushed on a regular basis, get them a Quip. Uh, you know, they, they've got a kid-sized version now, but even the adult version, it's fantastic. Long-time user, love it. My wife uses it. My daughter uses it. I guess I need to get the 10-year-old to start using it. Um, it just it works. It's one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals. They've got thousands of five-star reviews, verified five-star reviews, no less. It's just a great toothbrush. Toothbrush. It works. It's so well designed. It's only $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you get your first refill pack for free. So you get your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. And what is that refill pack? Well, every three months you get a new brush head. So your quip stays up to date and fresh. Go to getquip.com slash Eric right now and get this great deal. A Florida man went into a Walmart and asked if they could sell him a gun to kill 200 people. They reported him to the police. He claims to be a progressive activist who doesn't think Walmart should sell guns. There you have it. Uh, To the phones we go. Anthony in Atlanta, you're first. Welcome. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Sure. Um, First, I wanted to say, if you're talking about gun control... Um, personally, I think everybody should have a full psychological evaluation completely before they're even allowed to own a gun at all, period, and that you have people that own guns that they will either kill people or kill themselves, and you well, need to have... Uh, now, that, uh, do we need to do this with the right to vote? Because, I mean, whether you like it or not, it's a constitutional right. I understand that, but you have a very mass history of people killing other people and also killing themselves that they have this in other countries in Sweden and like even in Great Britain right. they have it. But then they, they don't have a constitutional right. So I we've also by the way, it's worth noting that uh, mass gun shootings in this country have been on the decline. Uh, year over year. I mean, this is, this is, hey, listen, I, I don't mean to cut you off. We're not going to convince each other here, but this, this is the problem. And you don't have to agree with me to call the show. And that's a good example of that I'm perfectly happy to do this, but I, I know how this conversation is going to go. We're going to go in, go in a circle here. It is a constitutional right. And you can say they have it in Sweden or Great Britain or, or wherever, but they don't have a constitutional right. We have a constitutional right. You have a constitution. Can you imagine if conservatives, in fact, Conservatives have tried, and the Supreme Court has said, no, you can't, uh, to require a psychological evaluation before someone has an abortion. Supreme Court said constitutional right. You can't do that with constitutional right. You can't do that with the voting right. Or, or what about free speech? You, you've, you've got. I mean, this is one I could get behind. you got to have a psychological evaluation before you can become an MSNBC anchor. We could put them out of business tomorrow. <laughs> Who could get a job there? Who'd want a job? Um you can't because the free speech is a constitutional right. You you can't require people to have psychological evaluations. Now, you can to drive. I see Cory Booker out there saying you got to have a, a license to drive. Yes, but driving is not a constitutional right. Owning a gun is. 
and we don't require people to have a psychological evaluation to drive a car, which kills more people than a gun every year. Uh, should we require people to do that because they could kill themselves or others with a car, which isn't a constitutional right? So, yeah, see, this is the way the conversation always goes. It's a constitutional right. You want to change it, you got to change the Constitution. I got a lot of people on the phones who want to talk about this issue, and I want to get to them. But before I get there, I, I want to read you guys a story. Um, this is from The New Yorker. Malcolm Gladwell wrote this in 2015. Just just bear with me here because I'm, I'm going to read. I, I don't like to read on air. I'd rather talk to you, but this you need to hear. This again, this is a piece written in 2015. On the evening of April 29th last year, that would have been 2014, in the southern Minnesota town of Wesica, a woman was doing the dishes when she looked out her window and saw a young man walking through her backyard. He was wearing a backpack and carrying a fast food bag and was headed in the direction of the Minimax storage facility next to her house. Something about him didn't seem right. Why was he going through her yard instead of the sidewalk? He walked through puddles. He didn't walk around them. He fiddled with the lock of Unit 129 as if he were trying to break it. She called the police. A group of three officers arrived and rolled up to the unit's door. The young man was standing in the center. He was slight of build with short crop brown hair and pale skin. Scattered around his feet was an assortment of boxes and containers, motor oil, roof cement, several styrofoam coolers, a case of ammunition, a camouflage bag, and cardboard boxes labeled red iron oxide filled with red powder. His name was John Ledoux, and he was 17 years old. One of the officers started to pat Ledoux down. According to the police, Ledoux immediately became defensive, stating that it was his storage unit and asked what I was doing and pulled away. The officers asked him to explain what he was up to. Ledoux told him to take a guess. Another of the officers, Tim Schroeder, said he thought Ledoux was making bombs. Ledoux admitted he was. Said he didn't want to talk about it at the storage locker. So the four went back to the police station, and Ledoux and Schroeder sat down together with a tape recorder. What's going on today, John? Schroeder asked. Ledoux replied, I'm going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me to talk about. The interview began at 7.49 p.m. and went for three hours. Ledoux was making Molotov cocktails, but a deadlier variety than the traditional kind, including motor oil and tar instead of gasoline. From there, he intended to move on to bigger and more elaborate pressure cooker bombs of the sort used by the Sarnaya brothers of the Boston Marathon bombing. There are far more things out in that unit than meets the eye, he told Schroeder, listing various kinds of explosive powder, thousands of ball bearings, pipes for pipe bombs, 15 pounds of potassium perchlorate, nine pounds of aluminum powder and magnesium ribbon and rust, which he intended to use to make thermite, which burns at 5,000 degrees Celsius, he noted. Schroeder asked him what the intentions were. Ledoux replied, I have a notebook under my bed that explains it. Schroeder asks, okay, can you talk to me about your intentions? Ledoux says, okay, sometime before the end of the school year, my plan was to steal a recycling bin from the school and take one of the pressure cookers I made and put it in the hallway and blow it up during passing period time. I would detonate when people were fleeing, just like the Boston bombings, and blow them up too. Then my plans were to enter and throw Molotov cocktails and pipe bombs and destroy everyone, and then when the SWAT came, I would destroy myself. In his bedroom, he had an SKS assault rifle, 
with 60 rounds of ammunition, a Beretta 9mm handgun, a gun safe with additional firearms, and three ready-made explosive devices. On the day of the attack, he would start with a 22 caliber rifle and move on to a shotgun in order to prove that high-capacity assault-style rifles were unnecessary for an effective school attack. Schroeder asked him, do you have any brothers and sisters? Ledoux says, yes, I have a sister. She's one year older than me. Schroeder says, okay, she goes to school too. Ledoux says, yes, she's a senior. Schroeder says, okay, so you would have done this stuff while she was at school as well? Ledoux says, oh, I forgot to mention that. Before that day, I was planning on disposing of my family too. Schroeder, the police officer, asks him, why would you dispose of your family? What have they done to you? Ledoux says, they did nothing wrong. I just wanted as many victims as possible. He is now in a psychiatric facility. He graduated from high school in a juvenile facility in 2015 and made straight A's. Here's, here's the problem for our last caller who wanted to require mental health requirements for ownership of guns and things like that. He had none. He, he, he had no psychological issues. He had been not diagnosed as anything. He was perfectly well-being. He had no family violence. He was not being abused in his home. He was actually, by all accounts, even his own from a loving home. He had never been bullied. He had never been sexually abused. He had a great relationship with his mom and dad, had a great relationship with his sister. No signs on any profile that anyone could find from psychologists to school counselors to sociologists, to anyone else that would suggest that John Ledoux would be a mass murderer. You can't test for that with him. And that's the way it's happening more and more. There are some problems. Y'all, this is a problem. Um, there aren't easy answers. When bad things happen, we want easy answers. Here's a situation this kid who he was going to murder his sister and his parents, not because they were mean to him, not because he felt unloved, not because of any of these things. When he was interviewed later, a psychologist asked him why he wanted to kill his family. And this was gets to Malcolm Gladwell's points on copycat killers and the rise of school shootings. Do you know why Ledoux told the psychologist who was interviewing him that he wanted to kill his parents and sister because he had nothing wrong with them. He said there was no abuse, there was no bullying, had a great relationship with them, all of that. Do you know why he wanted to kill his sister and his parents? Because in his words, the school shooter protocol tells me that's how to begin. The school shooter protocol tells me that's how to begin. That's why he wanted to kill his parents and his sister. And again, you test the kid, the psychologist, everybody, there's nothing wrong with this kid. There are no easy answers here. A red flag law wouldn't have stopped him. You want to stop him, you change the Second Amendment. You take away gun rights. It wouldn't have stopped him. He was building homemade bombs. He taught himself from the Internet how to build pipe bombs. He taught himself from the internet how to build pressure cooker bombs. 
He taught himself from the Internet all of these things. By the way, no one's going to amend the Constitution. It takes two-thirds vote of both houses of Congress, three-quarters of the states. It's not going to happen. You can't stop bad things from happening. You can mitigate against them, certainly. But here's a situation where this guy was a perfectly healthy, happy, and I use in air quotes, normal person. Wasn't registered, wasn't red flag, nobody thought anything about him. Straight A student, had friends in school, had a good family, and he wanted to kill them all. Because he became fascinated with school shootings. And the school shooter protocol told him how to begin. Let's go to Mike, Colin and Marietta. How are you, Mike? Hey, I'm great, Eric. How are you? Good. Awesome. Well, what you just said before kind of sort of caught me off guard. That That is just proof that evil definitely exists in the world. Absolutely. Uh, you know, kids that would do something like that. But my point was, my point in calling was, we are we have been so dumbed down at, as to the reason we have a second amendment and what the second amendment actually is for uh that the word gun today here heard outside is like uh, an astonishment or whatever and when i was a kid growing up i'm 62 you know uh kids played you know with guns they mm-hmm. got holsters and guns for christmas you know cap guns things like that it was a normal thing but Nobody knows what the Second Amendment. So the school, the the school has done an excellent job at not teaching kids <laughs> what this country stands right. for. Oh, absolutely, Mike. Thanks very much for that. Yes, they have. Uh, civics is just a garbage class now in public schools. Frank in Franklin County, welcome. How are you doing, Eric? Good. How are you? Doing fine. Doing fine. First, uh, thanks for letting me on, and uh, uh, the uh, story that you read. Uh, that dated back a couple of, of years ago. Mm-hmm. I'd actually seen that also, and I and I thank you for enlightening the people with uh, with putting that on. Sure. And I think it's a real good point. Uh, my point uh, is there's no way that me and several others have sat and and thought through this thing. And, and I'm no expert by any means, but uh, they there's no way that you can have a law like this and it not be abused mm-hmm. and, oh i uh, think so i can, can you imagine the the people going through an acrimonious divorce and one of the people in the divorce i mean you, you see this happen all the time right exactly i mean we see laws uh and and, and laws that make good practical sense uh of like domestic violence laws and things like that uh that and I'm not against those laws, but I have seen them in, in, in you know, through other people be abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, there's just, there's no way to keep that. And we, I don't see how this can be enforced by any body, right. uh, any government without so, it having to fall. Well, you know, Frank, let me, I may have to keep talking about this. There's some other news I want to get to, but to that point, uh, there are a lot of studies that have shown red flag laws are actually rarely used. When they're used, they've been beneficial, but most people don't know about them, so they don't do them. Uh, But there's also, I, I had somebody actually yesterday, I need to find that email, say that in states where the state has boosted knowledge of red flag laws, 
there's been more abuse of the red flag law, um, and in particular in divorce situations, acrimonious spouses accusing each other of being dangers and needing to have their guns confiscated and whatnot. Uh, in one case, someone actually wanting the guns in the divorce case had the police try to confiscate them with a red flag law. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Well, there is a new most popular consumer satisfaction fast food joint in America. Yes, that's right. In and out has replaced, been replaced by, I should say, Chick-fil-A. That's right, in and out the hamburger chain that more than half the nation can't even eat at uh, has been replaced by Chick-fil-A, which is a nationwide uh, restaurant chain. Interestingly enough, um, both companies are, are fairly well known to be run by Christian households, Christian families. Uh, you can find scriptural references within in and outs design patterns and whatnot. And Chick-fil-A, of course, a Truett Cathy's company famously closed on Sunday, among other things. Um, but yeah, so Chick-fil-A has beaten out In-N-Out, Blaze Pizza, Jersey Mike's, uh, Krispy Kreme, and all the other brands. Uh, it had the highest composite loyalty index of all categories at 79% in the chicken category. It crushes, um, except for atmosphere of the restaurant where Raisin Cane's, a Louisiana chain, which uh, I, I just think is hands down better than any other chicken finger chain out there. Sorry, Zaxby's. Uh, Raisin Cane's is awesome. Um, but so according to, this is the Atlanta Business Chronicle that has this, uh, they had the lowest number of problems when it comes to customer experience. They're the best at resolving problems when they occur. They have the highest loyalty among its customers. And interestingly enough, loyalty awareness tends to fall short in the chicken category. <laughs> Makes you wonder who they're serving. But it's a it's a survey of almost eight thousand people that Chick Fil A is the the has the most loyalty and the highest satisfaction of any fast food restaurant in America, which is fantastic. Good for Chick Fil A. I, I didn't see Whataburger on there, which is disappointing because I love me some Whataburger. Whataburger is fantastic, but I mean. Even so, I'd still go with Chick-fil-A. I, I, we need a Whataburger. You know, you have to go to Tuscaloosa to get to the nearest Whataburger. You either got to go there or down to Jacksonville towards Amelia Island to get a Whataburger. And I, I'm outraged by this because I like me some Whataburger. What? Uh, what? You'll go what? Oh, yeah, I, I think we should. But, you know, you got to get permission from the family because uh, they – they like make people come over and work with the family for a while before they'll before they'll do, which is why they're so slow to grow. Same with In and Out. That's why In and Out is so slow to grow across the country because you got to come work with the family and they're all family run. They don't franchise out In and Out. I think Whataburger franchises, but you got to spend time with them. Uh, just just deeply deeply disappointing to me um, that Whataburger is not in there at all. If you've never been to one, you should drive to Tuscaloosa, just not during football season. Um, but Chick-fil-A, good for them. Now, 
we got to move on because, you know, Doug Turnbull want to know about this. They have banned scooters from being on the roads overnight in Atlanta and the e-bikes as well that you can rent. They've banned them. Keisha Lance Bottoms has, I want to interview her at some point, by the way. I, I'm actually impressed with her as mayor. Uh, we and we obviously don't agree on on much politically, but I've I've been very impressed with her tenure thus far as mayor. I understand from a number of people that she did not have the power base that Kasim Reed had, uh, where he could be mayor and, and ram things through. And in fact, I think that's been to her advantage. Uh, she has been a very good mayor thus far, and and paying attention to the practical parts of being mayor, such as making sure the roads are paved and the potholes are gone, and and the e scooters are off the road. So her, she points out we've got four. Uh, deaths now. We've got uh, five injury, five wrecks involving e-scooters in the last couple of months. All of them have happened after sundown, and so they're going to prohibit them from 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. being on the road in Atlanta. Now, the way the e-scooters work is actually very straightforward. To you, if you've never used an e-scooter, you download an app. Uh, Bird, for example, is one of them. Lime is another. You can download their apps on your iPhone or your Android device. You go to the scooter. They use essentially Apple Pay or Android Pay to activate the scooter. The app launches. Um, you check yes, you want it, and off you go. And it bills you through your phone. You No credit cards, nothing. You, you do it all through the app on your phone. Well, because they are computer-controlled and whatnot, they can sync the timing, and so they can put in a code, making it very easy to say between 9 p.m. and 4 a.m., this device won't work, so people can't actually use it, and they're, that's what they're going to have to do. Same. So we've got a bunch of e-bikes around the city. E-bikes are bikes where you pedal, but there's a battery, so you can also use them almost like a moped, uh, glorified mopeds, essentially. Now, unlike so with the e-scooter, just so you understand, with the e-scooter, there are no cards at all involved. You, you don't have to bring out a credit card, a debit card, anything. With, if you use one of the e-bikes, you have to hand over your man card in order to get on it and, and operate it if you're a guy. Uh, but with the scooters, you don't have to do that. But otherwise, no credit cards, no debit cards for either one of them. From 9 a.m. to 4 or from 9 p.m. to 4 a.m., none of them are going to work anymore starting tomorrow in the city of Atlanta. That's good. Now, I am going to hijack uh, my own radio show here. Atlanta's Evening News, because I keep getting questions and I've been throwing them in some of the side segments right before we get out of here. And many of you have questions. Uh, we've turned away callers on this. So let me just tell you, yes, it is true. Uh, I am going to be doing a second radio show. Uh, yes, it is true. You will not hear it here in Atlanta. <laughs> hey, like, oh, are you leaving or, or what's going on here? So I've been wanting to do this. We are Georgia is going to be a huge swing state in 2020. The Democrats are pouring massive resources into the state and increasingly around the state, local media is folding up shop and people are reliant more and more on liberal reporters, aggressively liberal in some cases, progressive activists who have become reporters hired by some places around the state. There's no, nowhere to push back. There is nowhere uh, for conservatives to hear the facts. There's nowhere, frankly, for a lot of liberals to hear facts uh, because they're getting progressive spin everywhere they go. And I've been saying, you know, I could do a show. I've still got the bandwidth to do it. I could do a three-hour talk show in the state and give it away for free to local stations around the state. Anyone who wants it would be able to run it. And that's what I'm doing. And so on Monday, I will be doing five hours of radio instead of two. I'll do a three-hour show from 9 to noon. The flagship station will be WGAU in Athens. Now, Tim Bryan is on there until 10 a.m., so they're only going to run the 10 to noon hours. Uh, but across the state otherwise, I think our starting stations will be 
uh, up in Rome, Dalton, Clarksville, uh, a few other places. And it'll be a 9 to noon show live. Some stations will take it later in the day. It'll be listener calls. We'll have interviews. Uh, I'll, I'll actually be able to form a thought. I, I'm a little bit worried I may get into this and start throwing to traffic every six minutes, but I'm going to have big chunks of time in which I can talk and conduct interviews, which is awesome. I'm excited by that. And we're going to be statewide uh, by the end of the year. Some stations are getting out of existing shows to be able to put us on. Now, the rub here, and, and just uh, pray for me. I appreciate your prayers. I'm very excited by this. It is going to be daunting. My wife is a little concerned uh, that I'm going to be doing so much talk time every day. But um, one of the hangups, of course, you have is you have big duopolies in radio space, Cumulus and iHeart. They own a lot of talk stations outside of Atlanta and trying to convince them to put me on. They've got iHeart, you know, owns per, is own, or owns Premier, which has Glenn Beck, and Cumulus hounds Westwood One, which has some guy in the morning, and trying to convince either one to replace their in-house talents who are nationwide with someone who's focusing on Georgia, even though I think having my show could boost their revenue and listenability. I, it, it's going to be tough to break into some of those markets like Columbus, even Macon, um, where I got my start. is going to be tough. And in Savannah and Albany, places like that, I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm excited by the opportunity, though. It, it is going to be – we'll talk about national stuff too, but it's going to be a Georgia show. We'll have on Georgia newsmakers. If there's a big story down in Dublin, Georgia, yep, I'll have on the mayor from Dublin or whoever. Um, I'm excited to be able to do a show like that. So uh, wish me luck. Pray for me. If you want any details, um, I'll get them to you, I'm sure. In the meantime, just just hang on, bear with me, and know the rumor is not true. I'm not leaving WSB. I absolutely am not. You will get me every day live from 4 to 6 p.m. every day. You're not going to get a pre-record. You're not going to get a repackaged morning show. You all get me to yourselves, your own show for Atlanta, and the rest of the state will get a different show in the mornings. Just want to do a quick timeout for thanking Quip for being a longtime sponsor of this program. A lot of you, you got kids like me headed back to school, and well, maybe they're hygiene. Honest to goodness, I'm not sure how often our kid bathed during the summer. Our, our oldest now is just about every day, but the 10-year-old, ah, well, time to get them back into a good routine, and Quip is a great way to do it if they're having difficulties getting the well their teeth brushed on a regular basis. Get them a Quip. Uh, you know, they, they've got a kid-sized version now, but even the adult version, it's fantastic. Long-time user, love it. My wife uses it. My daughter uses it. I guess I need to get the 10-year-old to start using it. Um, it just, it works. It's one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals. They've got thousands of five-star reviews, verified five-star reviews, no less. It's just a great tooth brush it works it's so well designed it's only $25 if you go to getquip.com slash eric right now you get your first refill pack for free so you get your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash eric and what is that refill pack well every three months you get a new brush head so your quip stays up to date and fresh go to getquip.com slash eric right now and get this great deal the phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. There is polling in Georgia on the gun issue, we should understand, which uh, gives David Perdue some, um, well, some clout on the issue of what to do about the gun issue in Georgia and red flag laws. Uh, majority of Georgians uh, say they want either no change or loosening restrictions on guns. Uh, only a, 
um, minority of voters in Georgia want increased restrictions on guns. Now, interestingly enough, 90 percent of Democrats in Georgia want further restrictions on guns. Uh, and it's the Republicans the in, and independents who don't. But again, you got to keep in mind, independent is typically a Republican ashamed of admitting he's a Republican, but they together dominate in the state of Georgia. So it, Purdue probably won't face political backlash on this in the state, and he knows it. Uh, also in Georgia, a very slight plurality want to increase carry laws in the state of Georgia, making it easier for people to carry around the country. Um, so it's like 47 want to increase opportunities for carry in the state and 46%, I said around the country, around the state, uh, 47% want to increase, 46% want to leave the same, uh, and the small number want to reduce. So Georgia being a very pro-Second Amendment state, still even among people who don't identify as Republicans, the state tends to be very, very Second Amendment friendly. And the polling out there backs it up. So Purdue's not going to get a bunch of blow up on this and good. The phone number here is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I, this is, so Carolyn Meadows is getting, well, the, the media, of course, I've seen this story in several places that uh, she's the NRA president. She should be able to take care of herself. Um, Carolyn Meadows is the president of the National Rifle Association, and she has off-duty police officers providing round-the-clock protection at her home. She is being ridiculed by progressive activists for doing so. Um, can you blame her for doing this? Uh, Carolyn Meadows is... Oh, how old is she? She's in her eighty. I, I yeah. Where is this? Um. So yes, she is eighty. Uh, eighty years old. Now, if Carolyn Meadows wanted to, I'm I'm sure she could take out anyone who wanted to break into her home. Uh, but why should she have to? Uh, when she can hire security. You know, I I had to have security at my home in 2016. I was very fortunate. Uh, that this station covered the cost of having security at my home, round-the-clock protection, 24 hours a day, uh, for several months, actually, because of the amount of threats I was getting and having had people show up at our home. And so I am, I'm totally okay with this. And what I think is very interesting is just the other day you saw Joaquin Castro, brother of Julian Castro, the presidential candidate, uh, docs, if you will, President Trump's supporters. He produced a list of Trump supporters, by the way, several of whom had donated to him, a couple of whom had donated to his brother, uh, and he he put their information out there with their employers. And for a couple of people, he actually highlighted their businesses. One of the ladies is a, a realtor, and he put out her real estate company that she works for. The other runs a barbecue restaurant, and he made sure everyone knew which barbecue restaurant in San Antonio. And the reaction from some in the media was that this is all public knowledge. And because it's public knowledge, it's not really doxing or harassment because anyone who knows what they're doing can go to the FEC website and get the information of the per get the information and produce it. Except that's nonsensical um, because what you're doing is you're amplifying information that's in in publicly available but not readily available. There's a difference between publicly available and readily available. For example, if you're listening to my voice right now and you own property. I can go to the local tax assessor's office for your county to their website. 
And I can find out not only the value of your home, but I can find out your address. I can find out your mailing address and your residential address. It's publicly available information, but it's not readily available information. I know how to get it, but a lot of people don't. And if I were to make it public, what do you think would happen? What, what, what do you think would happen? If I put out your information, in fact, let, let's do it the opposite way. We have a Bernie Sanders supporter here in Georgia who wants to take people's guns away, this person. And I put their information out and say, hey, it's readily available. I'm not doxing the person. It's this person. Here's where he works and here's his home address. Now, uh, Joaquin Hester did not put their home addresses, but he made sure that it would be easy for people to find out where they work. What do, what do you think the reaction would be? And and would you really like it as well as publicly available information? No, you would be outraged. I, I would be outraged. By the way, I, I also think it's less likely that a conservative would be an activist enough to show up at someone's house to harass them than a progressive. I think the data on that is clear. Progressives are far more likely to do stuff like that. And so here's the story of Carolyn Meadows in the AJC. I've seen multiple media outlets highlight this information. Why is it news? But it is news now. I've seen multiple reporters, not not pundits, but reporters, ridicule Carolyn Meadows for hiring off-duty police officers to protect her home 24 hours a day. Why? Do, do they not think she should? You have angry progressives who are outing Trump supporters. You have progressives who are chasing conservatives out of restaurants. You have progressives who showed up at Mitch McConnell's house the other night yelling that someone needed to stab him to death. I can't use the language that they said in the video. You have all of this blame at the NRA that the Democrats and the media routinely attack the NRA uh, she should absolutely have, have private security, and the NRA should be paying it for her. I mean, heck, she should allow NRA members to come protect her house. It's just, it's crazy to me that she's been ridiculed, particularly because the media is fomenting the harassment against the NRA. It is the media and Democrats who are stirring up harassment against her and the NRA. Now, I, I got major issues with the NRA these days. I think Wayne LaPierre needs to be gone. I've stopped giving money to the NRA, and I won't give them any more until he's gone. But the NRA itself is an organization that is being demonized by the media, uh, not because I think they're, they're hurting their mission, but because, the which I do, I think the NRA is, is, is falling down on the job and wasting a lot of donor money. Uh, but the media thinks the NRA is highly effective, and, and the media doesn't understand the NRA. I want to explain to you the NRA. I know that there are liberals who listen to this program I, I, I've never, honest to goodness, y'all, I've never understood the phenomenon of people who hate watch or hate listen. But there are a lot of people who hate watch and hate listen stuff they don't like. And there are, I've, I've met more than a few progressives who have told me that I have, have brought them over to our side. I've met more than a few progressives who told me that they disagree with me, but they like to listen. And I know a few progressives who listen every day and hate my guts. Um, and that's okay. I'm, I'm glad progressives listen. Uh, I, I, I get them their facts instead of their mythology. Uh, sometimes we wind up agreeing. Oftentimes we don't. Uh, but being able to have civil conversation, I think, is a good thing. I, I don't want to yell every day like Sean. Um, so here's, here's the truth, though, on the NRA. Do you know why the NRA is so highly effective? It's because 
we are a nation of 350 million people, and we are a nation of 400 million guns. There are more guns in this country than there are people, men, women, and children, legal and illegal aliens combined. There are more guns than people in this country. That is why the NRA is effective. The NRA is not effective because it has somehow been able to crack the nut on lobbying Republicans in ways no other group has. If if that was the case, then, then the pro-life movement would have already had Planned Parenthood funding cut in Washington because the pro-life movement in Washington is highly effective, and yet Planned Parenthood is still funded. The reason the NRA is so effective is not because of the, the geniuses at the NRA. In fact, these days, I think the NRA needs a house cleaning. The NRA is, is effective because there are so many people in this country who support the Second Amendment, and Congress knows it. There are actually more people who will vote on the Second Amendment issue than will vote on the abortion issue in favor of gun rights than in favor of abortion. The NRA is a highly effective organization. There are plenty of pro-abortion people out there who are also pro-Second Amendment activists. There's, see, there's not a lot of, there, there isn't this overlap. The, the left likes to think, hey, the pro-life movement, the NRA, they're all the same thing. No, no, no. The NRA is not effective because of their lobbying team in Washington, D.C. The NRA is effective because of the American people, and the American people are decisively in favor of gun rights. Now, here's a problem for the Republicans in that. As we move closer to 2020, and there's more and more polling about suburban voters being turned off by the president. A lot of that, by the way, is media-induced, let's just admit it, but but they are being turned off by the president. Um, well, you know what? It is going to hurt Republicans on the gun issue. We're starting to see suburban voters turn on guns, not because they disagree, but because they don't like the president, and because the president supports it, they don't. And that's a shame that it would go this way, but that's what the polling is showing, and Republicans do need to work on that. But right now, majority of Americans support the Second Amendment, and that's why the NRA has so much clout. It has nothing to do with the organization, everything to do with the people. The Associated Press is running this headline, Iraqi national dies two months after being deported from the United States. Uh, Why was he deported? Uh, 20 convictions over two decades, assault, domestic violence, home invasion, disorderly conduct, uh, deported for breaking into a car the other day. Don't break the law. How hard is this? Don't give me this sob story.